Welcome to the Member Engagement Show with Higher Logic, the podcast for association professionals looking to boost retention, gain new members, and deepen member involvement. Each episode, I'll bring on some experts, we'll talk shop about engagement, and you'll walk away with strategies proven to transform your organization. I'm Beth Arrett, an association evangelist with over 25 years experience in marketing and member engagement, and I'm so happy you're here. Now let's start the show. So today I am joined by one of my favorite people, marketing expert and just an all-around wonderful person, Vivian Swartinsky. Viv, can you tell everyone a little bit about how you got here? Yeah, thank you, Beth. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, we could do this all day long, but I know we have really good. <laughs> I know we have a set amount of time. So yes. Wait, you mean people don't want an eight-hour podcast? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> um, so yeah, my name is Vivian Spratinsky. I am a senior manager here of strategic services um, at Higher Logic. And oh my goodness, how did I get here? Well, I've spent 25 plus years, um, right, serving um, strategy and working with customers on in digital marketing space. Um, been actually with Higher Logic for seven years. Time flies when you're having fun. I can't believe I've been here that long. <laughs> <laughs> well, and despite the fact that I've only been at Higher Logic for almost a year, oh my gosh, it's almost a year. I have, Viv and I have actually known each other since almost since she first got to Higher Logic. She worked on a renewal campaign project with me at Inform at, at AAAE when she was still with Informs. And we have been marketing buddies ever since. Yeah, we absolutely connected. And I was just so excited to have a customer who got, you know, the concept of marketing automation, who strive to make the member experience far more personalized than what it was. So I was just as excited to to work with you. It was like, yes, this is somebody who wants to do this. This is so much fun. <laughs> It really is. Um, and you did a great job, as usual, of steering me in the right direction right now, because we are going to be talking today about personalization. So if you've ever just kind of wanted to sit in on Viv and me chatting marketing, now's your chance. Where do we want to start? Uh, yeah, so let's start with why it's so important for an association to personalize in their marketing. That is a great place to start because associations, obviously, are serving members that primarily pay for their membership. And the value that they get from that membership is going to determine whether they, how long the relationship goes on, right? Well, whether they renew, how long they renew, how involved they get. So, so in addition to being members though, they're, they're consumers and oh my goodness, have we not, you know, just been bombarded with personalized efforts from everybody that we, every brand we've ever interacted with. And so as consumers, we're, we've been trained really by the for-profit world in what our expectations are for digital communications. We really have. Amazon has just ruined it for the rest of us. Let's be real. Amazon's <laughs> just ruined it for the rest of us. No, I'm kidding. They have upped the expectations. And I think that, you know my thoughts on this, but people listening might not. I feel like we should know our members better than Amazon knows their customers. And I feel like it should be an Amazon Plus experience. And if you don't have personalization, you haven't even taken the first step toward that. Let's talk a little bit about personalized versus personal, because that's a big one with me. It's one that's really important to me because anybody these days, almost anybody these days, can slap a name on it and call it personalized. Say, hi, Frank, but it's not personalized. That's just, I guess that is personalized, but it's not personal. Yeah, it's right. It's it's the use of data plopping into a content field and then 
labeling that as, oh, it is personalized. But if if I get a message, which I have, hey, Frank, no, I'm Vivian. And, you know, Frank may have had this job in the past, but I'm Vivian. So you can see you can it, it can be a complete miss, frankly, even if you're just using a data field and thinking that you're reaching whoever had that that position at that company before. Um, so is that personal? No, of course not. I think it, it, let's talk about not even using a name, right? Because you, you you can say I'm doing personalization because I use names, and I and it probably doesn't matter to me. While it might, while I like to see my name, uh, you know, especially if people use my Viv, right? So my friends call me Viv, my family calls me Viv, everyone else for the most part is going to just work with Vivian, right? So when I see something that's like Hey Viv, I'm like. I must know you. And so it does for me, it perks me up a little bit when you use my my shortened name versus my right. full length name. So it does catch your eye. Yes. However, that's lasting all of what, three seconds. What's the rest of the message? Like if the rest of it is off point, forget it. Right. Doesn't feel personal at all. And we've all been told earlier, in, uh, earlier in this century, I guess, uh, we were all told that putting someone's name on in the subject line or at the beginning is guaranteed to get more attention. So two things have happened. One, yes, it has worked for a while, but two, everyone's done it. And so now people are as numb to that as they are to the, um, as they were to not having it. So, and then you test, well, okay, is it better if you put it at the front or put it at the back? Beth, here's your personalized email newsletter. Beth, here's, here's your personalized email newsletter, Beth. And I think we've all gotten so hung up on making sure that that gets attention that we forget that if you get that attention and then show them something completely irrelevant, it doesn't matter because the next time you're not going to get their attention, they're going to go, oh, it's you again, and they're going to delete it or they're going to unsubscribe because it was completely unrelated. And that's where the personal comes in. It needs to be personalized, yes, but it also needs to be personal. It needs to be related to what they want. If it's not related, then you don't know them. You just know their name. That's like if I'm wearing a name tag and somebody walks up to me on the street and says, hi, Beth. They don't know me. They just saw my name on my name tag. They know nothing about me. What kind of association are you? Are you the kind who walks around a cocktail party and says hi to everybody by name, but you know nothing about them and you ask nothing about them? And worse, you then tell them all about yourself. Are you the kind who actually learns and pays attention to what they want. There's this great idea that I love that I've been playing with called digital body language. And the idea is when you're at a cocktail party or you're at an event, you see people and you talk to them when you're talking to them in person, you can read their body language. So you can tell if what you're saying to them is interesting or if it's turning them off. If you're at a trade show booth and they've got one foot out the door and they're turned away, clearly you can read that body language. They are not interested in what you're saying. And we have that same ability with the technology that we have available now to look at the digital body language. What is it saying? What picture is it presenting? That tells you probably more than in-person physical body language would in some respects because you're not sitting there looking at them. So they feel free to be more themselves and make decisions and click or not click based on what they want as opposed to what they feel you want while you're standing there looking at them. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And, you know, you're spot on with being able to read the receptors, if you will, on how is this person interacting with with whatever I put out there. But the other thing, and, and when you were talking about like the cocktail party scenario and, you know, the other thing, if I wanted to 
start a conversation with somebody, I would likely observe them first. And, you know, if they're walking up to the dessert table, you know, I might join them at the dessert table and, and they're obviously clearly interested in making a choice. So I'd be like, oh my goodness, look at the selection we have here. Or, oh, did you, if you're, if you like chocolate, <laughs> you've got to have this, right? And I, so you, you see where you have common ground and you engage with that. So there's the observing piece as well. What are they moving to on their own? How long do they spend there? You know, do, are they just passing by? I, nope, nothing here, you know, for me. And they move on to something else, right? So kind of meeting them almost where they're at also comes to mind. Oh, absolutely. And it, it reminds me of one of my favorite examples that you give about if you're in a shop and somebody picks up a sweater and you're working at the shop. I love that example. It's the same type of thing. You watch them, you know, if they pick it up and put it down very quickly. Oh, okay. You know, I'm not going to, they don't want it. But if they're looking at it and they think about it and then they kind of come back to it, you go, okay, they're interested. I can probably go talk them into it. And we, I mean, we have those same capabilities. A lot of people just aren't using them because I think they think that it's a lot of work or that it's, they just don't have the time. Mm -hmm. I would argue that in the long run, it's going to take less time to get that level of personalization and to get to that level of personal. And in the end, it's going to be a higher ROI. What do you think? Yeah. And well, I, I agree with you 100%. And another, I, I guess, uh, maybe barrier to doing that might be there's so much data, like what should bubble to the top. It's almost like it looks like swimming in the ocean versus swimming in a small lake. You know what I mean? It looks like I am almost paralyzed by all the things I could look at, all the things I could capture. Where do I even start? And I know in that some cases, <laughs> yeah, in some cases it can be like trying to swim at North Shore on Oahu during the surfing competition with the like 30 foot waves about to hit you in the face. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, it looks like so much, right? It looks like so much. And, you know, I know that you have a ton of personal experience in, in taking an organization from that wasn't doing any of that to, to an organization that was tracking and putting it to good use and having fantastic results. And, you know, I think the audience, if, if they're like, I, I hear what you're saying, but like, I'm one of those people, I'm raising my hand, where do I start? Like, that's a lot of data. And you go back to, I mean, for me as a strategist, I'd be like, well, let's talk about your member life cycle. What's the first place that audi that your you know potential members could be at? Like you can really dive in and honestly, anywhere along the member journey, but starting with that, at least then kind of narrows your focus. What are, you know, what are the most important things that a non-member would do? Where do they go? Do they, are they on your website? Do they, can they come to your event? Are they going to your event? Do they hear from you after the event? Like just just being curious and just really starting to look at, I can see them. Where's the places I can see them? If you can see them, if you look for them. Yeah, exactly. Once you get them into your system, if they're known to you, then you can find a lot of that out. You know me, my favorite answer to those questions, any question like this, that is, is generally, well, it depends. And it does because one of my other favorite things to say, we're just getting all my catchphrases today. One of my other favorite things to say is that if you've seen one association, you've seen one association. So it depends on what your goals are. We have this acronym that we use here to remember those goals and keep them all in mind. 
ramen. It's retention, acquisition of members, member growth, event promotion, and non-dues revenue. So depending on what your biggest issue is or where your goals are, to me, that sort of drives where you would start. If you're just not sure, then yeah, absolutely. You've got where are your non-members going? That's a great way. If you're just looking to get more members. If your members aren't engaged, where are they going now? Where have they been going in the past that suddenly they're not going? It also depends on how much data you have available to you too. There's a whole lot of factors involved into where you can go and where you can go, which is why my first answer is always, it depends. Yeah. When you say retention is your goal, then what might you look at from what digital body language might you look at to say, oh, okay, here's where we can improve our retention. Yeah. And I, I would think most associations are going to raise their hand and go, oh yeah, retention is super important. Um, we're always looking at our renewal rates and retention rates. And yeah, our board would be thrilled if we could get those numbers up. Yeah. So what, I, what pieces of data would we look at to see sort of where the gap is, yeah. where, where they're, where they're missing if our retention isn't high enough? Yeah. I mean, for my first question would be, and I would ask this early enough, right? My first question would be, what members are you worried about? Are they all of the same status? Are you equally confident that all of them will renew? Are there segments or groups that you're like, I'm not sure about that. Other groups should be like, oh my goodness, they renew year after year. I'm not too concerned about them. If you're concerned about any group or any types of members or any specific segment of members, how might you identify them early? To me, it's like the gym membership. If the gym knows I have not been there in four months, not showed up once, they should be worried about me. They should notice and they should be like, and I've had this, I've had this ha happen actually at a kickboxing gym, believe it or not. I know me kickboxing, right? And they're like, Vivian, we haven't seen you on the mat. You know, we haven't seen, and I'm like, oh, yes, I know I will come back, you know? But the point is, 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 <laughs> is to, is to even be thinking about it in, in advance because you, you know, you can, it's hard to turn something around at the very end of anything. Right. But while there's still time, you can, right. you can jump in and you can make a difference and you can take action while there's still time to take action. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a lot easier to get back a disengaged member who's still a member than it is to go after them once they've lapsed. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and it's yeah. Yeah. Once they've completely detached, not just become disengaged, but detached, they're they're lapsed. They're no longer a member that you don't have their money. It's a lot harder to get them to give you your money again. Now, that said, you should absolutely be working on lapsed member campaigns at some point, because at least those people have been merged in the past. And at some point they saw value. So you just need to remind them of the value. Yeah. And I think I think that value reminding people of values and figuring out what that looks like. That is something that I'm not sure enough people see as personalization because it's not just personalizing, oh, you went to this conference, so I'm going to send it to you. So I'm going to make sure I send it to you again. It's saying, okay, you went to this conference, means you're, which means you're going to be interested in these set of, this set of materials or this training or things like that. So I'm going to then tell you about those because I recognize that this is your area of interest. And I'm going to give you ways in each one of those emails to tell me that I'm wrong, that I'm going the wrong direction. 
kind of like that whole game of hot and cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're. I'm. Oh no, no, you're cold now because I've muted. I've muted these emails. So clearly, I'm not interested in that. So let's go this direction. And the other thing that I found at AAAE that I really loved is once we've really had the data for a couple of years, and we were able to look at it, we could see member patterns. It was a little bit like looking at the matrix. It was very strange. We could see member patterns, and you could see the paths that members had taken to get from being, say, an intern, whether it was at an airport or if it was at a um, air, uh, at our association in one instance, and how they got from there and their event, ma- their um, airport management degree all the way to being a director of an airport. You could see the steps they take. You could see the certifications they got, the events they went to to network. We were able to do some automation that helped people take those same steps that said, hey, you know, this is the next step that you're going to want to take if this is really what you want. We were able to help those people along their journey and show them the next path, like walk into this maze and lead them by the hand. And I loved that. I loved the ability to go in and just help people advance their careers. It's what a lot of people work in associations for in the first place. It's what we love to do. And when you get to that level and you can do that for people, it it just marketing is marketing. I could be marketing cigarettes mm-hmm. and you know be fine at it, but I have chosen to do marketing where I feel like it can do good in the world. And that just that's what gets me up and makes me excited to go to my desk every day is the ability to help people further along in their careers and help them learn and see new things like this. So in that respect, personalization for a marketer can be so rewarding when it works. Everybody thinks of it as this creepy thing that you know so much about people and you're using it. But if you use it for, it's like every superpower, if you use it for good, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so for for folks who are like, well, that sounds really awesome, but how, how do you make that happen at your association? Um, one step at a time. How do you eat an <laughs> elephant? One bite at a time. Yeah, and but you're not bringing that not that we're eating elephants. We are not. We are not advising anyone to eat an elephant. <laughs> we are not. We are not. So, so you're right. So, you in your technology stack, you are bringing. You know, you're capturing data, and then you're bringing the data back into a central repository area, right? Which, which I might have been your AMS, and from that then you can then be seeing things. I mean, you can see them from other areas. I'm not saying that, but is, are that, yeah. is that how, you know, did, you would see it typically happening at the association that your technology stack is integrated? Yeah. In our case, um, we were lucky that even before we had a lot of records going back. I started there in 2014 and we had records like digital records in the database going back into the early nineties. So we were able to trace paths a long way back which was really helpful. It gave us a head start. If you're starting with data that came from today, you're going to do a lot of focus groups and and use some anecdotal information to get the paths initially. Mm-hmm. We were able to look at, okay, we know these people. These are certain people who are known to us. We know where they are now. Let's go back and look at their path and see where they came from. Let's look at the other people. We were also fortunate enough to have about 400, it always average between 450 and 500 people who were uh, accredited airport executives. And these were people who had worked their way up and gotten to the top of their field. So we had a number of diverse examples to look at 
of people all over the country in different size airports, different you know, race, color, creed, whatever you want to call it, that we could look at and say, okay, these people got there these ways. And that gave us an idea. Okay. So we're looking at somebody who's in the Midwest region. They probably have done this or they went to this airport. They went to this school for airport management. And we were able to drill down to that level of, oh, okay, this is how they got there. Now let's figure out how we can automate showing other people how to do the same. That came down to having the data and being able to slice it and dice it by member type, by region, by all kinds of pieces of information. But if you don't have that, you still have people. You have an association full of people who know things. There are surveys you can put out. When you do content marketing, you can ask a couple of questions to say, hey, you know, how long have you been in the airport industry or how long have you been in marketing? How long have you worked at a grocery retailer anything like mm-hmm. that? What education do you have? So now you know, okay, you can say on average, the people who were interested in this content have been in the grocery industry for three to five years. They have bachelor's degree, they're low level management. So People who are most interested in this piece of content are probably going to want to go to this path next because we know what it's going to take for them to get from to middle level from low level management to middle level to senior level. Yeah, there's. I think that analogy kind of got away with me. I think I, I think I rambled a bit there. No, Sorry. No, you're fine. Yeah, I mean, well, it, it comes back down and and to you know to data and seeing what you know and what do you, what can you know. Another avenue that I've seen be very effective for folks that kind of like put a spotlight on something is to analyze even is to take a look at like if you do member satisfaction surveys and member surveys, especially the free form area where they're able to write in things. It's been enlightening for a number of customers I've worked with where they can take the member survey and they can look at it and identify specific segments that weren't feeling represented within the organization. We're feeling small and and, and unnoticed and, and not listened to. Um, and this was a mature market, um, but there was a, a flurry of folks, startups, if you will, that were trying, entering a market that was very mature. And they were, and that's the, where the growth area was going to happen. The mature people were already mature. Like those companies aren't going to get more mature and there's not, and there's a limited number of them. The, the next round of folks coming into the industry, they were they didn't see themselves in the images. They didn't see themselves in the content. The tools and resources were geared for someone who had already made it, not someone that was starting out. And that was an incredible en- enlightenment to them when I was like, hey, this this group, this group is <laughs> this group needs some love. <laughs> you know, I love that, that you can in looking at what great personalization looks like, you can also see what gaps you have. When I interviewed for my job at AAAE, one of my soon-to-be colleagues made a comment that his favorite thing to do at, you know, or to say the students at annual conference, because students would come there because there was a career fair and they could make connections and get their first job. So uh, to the students, he would say, well, great to see you. See you again in 10 to 15 years, because (laughs) there really wasn't anything for them at annual. There were some programs that we had, but the membership and everything tended to be more mid-level to senior uh, airport people. And so we really didn't have a lot for those people. And literally, I'm in there to interview to create a marketing department. And he's like, yeah, that's my favorite thing to see. So what are you going to do about that? 
well, um, let me look at the data and see what's missing. That was my first thought. You know, let's see what data you have and see what's missing. See, see how many people you have in that space. Let's talk to them. Let's ask them what it is. And then you can put that information into your database so you can help personalize, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so data is the fuel that enables you to do personalization and data can be from everywhere, from anywhere, member survey, um, you know, information you're getting off of the digital communications you're sending out. What do you know about them on there from your AMS um, everywhere? Like there's never a lack of data. That's the point. I think you can get paralyzed and like, well, what do I do with it all? Um, and-, and that's where the goals come mm-hmm. in. That's where the, go- if you're overwhelmed by data, think about what your goals are. Pick one, pick a subset of that goal. Say, okay, retention is one. So the first thing is I want to make sure I retain all of my O2s. So that's a member type. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the O2s and just that data on them and why they might be leaving. So now you're not overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Now you've got like one little ripple in the water as opposed to a giant wave, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah. No, I love that. I love that being what do we what am I what's our other favorite saying, Beth? Is like the snackable bite-sized pieces, right? Yes. It, you say our, that's very generous. It's, it's one of yours that I absolutely love and have totally stolen. We're actually working on some snackable content right now. Uh, the, not that we don't love the long discussion podcast, because you know I do. But the uh, we're working on some snackable content right now to give people some little bite-sized pieces of information they can use. And then think of it as dessert. You can have it with your lunch and it's your dessert. Uh, some exciting stuff coming up with that. But yeah, snackable information. It works for informational too. What can you look at that is bite-sized as opposed to an entire elephant? Again, not advocating eating elephants. <laughs> no just, elephants just, on the no. menu, please. No elephants. <laughs> no. Elephants are lovely creatures. I've always wanted to pet one. Let's, as we start to wind up, sadly, because I literally could sit here and talk marketing with you all day long, every day. <laughs> but if you walk into an organization and you look at their stuff and they had great, effective personalization, what would that look like? That would look like the outcomes of that. And, and that, that's how I would know that they have great personalization. The outcomes of that is that they have engagement across their audience, that their the utilization and the consumption of their content of their benefits or whatever it is that they offer folks, right? That the consumption is high, that they're actually delivering and executing on their mission. So that those are kind of the outcomes of personalization. What am I seeing that makes me see that? I'm seeing video, or I'm seeing, no, it could be videos, it could be images, content, but I am seeing it varied by audience. I'm seeing some, you know, there's very few people that are going to be, all oh, my members are homogeneous. Oh, you're just one, one big old homogeneous group. Whenever I ask them, everyone's like, no, 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 very distinct differences. Then there should be some distinct differences in how you're engaging with them, how you're interacting with them. And it's reciprocal, like, and they're responding. If it's one size fits all to everybody, but you then say, oh, they're not a homogeneous group, well, then you know you have work to do, right? (laughs) Because you're treating them the same as everybody, but you know that they're not. If you see one email going out to everyone every day, that is not great. You immediately go, that is not great personalization. Exactly. And, you know, it. for instance, something so simple as, you know, I know we're wrapping up here, but like you're inviting somebody 
Take your time. You're inviting someone, a, a group, your members to something. I think to myself, you know, especially if it's like their annual conference, okay? Who are the folks that are brand new members of this year that never, this is like, what's the annual conference? I've never been to the annual conference. I'm maybe a little intimidated about what, what to expect. Will I get something out of it? What do they think about that? Like step yourself into their shoes. What other groups might be coming there? Someone who hasn't been there in, in three years. What are they missing? You know, what would entice them to come back? Do you even notice? Do they do they know that you know that they haven't been there in three years? You're like, I mean, but they don't even know, right? No, oh, can't, we can't wait to see you again. You haven't seen me in three years. Like, what are you calling out? So what do you know? And and so it's something simple like that. It's it's very much what you would do in your own personal life if you just boil it down to a much smaller unit. You would think about that in a much more succinct way. And it wouldn't be overwhelming because you would think about these are new, these are repeat, these are the folks here all the time. Here are my advocates. I could lean on them maybe to have a welcome session with the new people. Like you would think about all of this. And you could and you can do the very same thing today with with your audience. To me, great personalization, well, it's exactly what you're saying. Shocker. Uh, <laughs> we agree on this. I'm stunned. We do. When you were talking about the people who haven't come in a while and thinking about why they used to come and why they're not coming now. One of the things that we did a few years ago, we had a campaign at AAAE that did, it went out to anyone who hadn't attended in three or more years and it was web tracking. So they had to have clicked through on an email to say, oh, okay, yeah, I'm interested. But for some reason they hadn't come in three or more years. So what we did was we created this campaign that each email in it was an underlying reason why people said they came back every year. It wasn't like the main ad hoc ones that focused on here are the speakers, here are the education sessions, here are when the community meetings are. This focused on what they loved about it, the networking, you know, seeing their old friends. It really, it went for the heartstrings. If you think about marketing campaigns versus one-off ad hoc emails, and you think about the ad hoc emails that go out are kind of like the the really the stronger, the tinkly notes are the more melodic. It's the melody. Mm -hmm. But these campaigns, they're that underlying bass or the underlying drum, the the small like rippling bass in the background that people don't necessarily notice, that harmonic that people don't necessarily notice mm -hmm. that are what makes it work and makes a, a, a hit song or makes a piece by Chopin so popular for hundreds and hundreds of years. A Tchaikovsky piece works so well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to your member, they're feeling seen, even if it was a behavior that like, oh, I haven't been there in three years. You know, they know you've noticed. <laughs> they know you've missed them. They know you'd like to see them back. It's like feeling seen. I mean, that's none of us get old. That does not get old. <laughs> Every, no, <laughs> we all want it's the difference right. between personalization and personal. Yeah, exactly. It's not. Hey, Keith, it's, wow, Keith, I've really missed you. What would it take to get you back? Why, you know, why, what would it take to get you back? I'd love to see you in Orlando or wherever this year. What can we do to help? We miss, we miss you in those networking sessions. We miss your contribution to the education sessions. And you can link those. Mm -hmm. You know, it's okay to link them mm -hmm. just to remind them of it. But that's a whole different message from, hi, Keith. Did you know that we have these education sessions 
And these networking sessions in Orla- in at the conference, see you in Orlando. Yeah. The difference there is so obvious when you look at it, right? Mm-hmm. I think maybe a good mindset is don't get don't get intimidated by the volume. You know, we this is, you know, I got to create messages for 50,000 people or 10,000 people. Don't. don't like it the, boil it down to four member types in your in your brain, the lapsed ones, maybe the brand new ones, whatever, right? Segments, types that you can say if you were in front of them right now and you had a conversation, what what would that conversation be? Like, what would you say to them in person right now? You're at the same conference. You're like, hey, yeah, I just joined that organization. Oh, really? We got our conference coming up. Or, oh, yeah, I'm a member, but I haven't been to the conference in three years. Really? I'd like, tell me more. I'd like to understand, right? What would you say in person? If you can take the person, we know how to do this. We do. We know how to do it when we're in our own little space with each other, but sometimes the digital part of it makes it feel so far away that we don't think we know what to do or what to say, but I think we do. I agree. I think we do. And I think that even though the pandemic has made us maybe forget a little bit how to speak to each other in person, (laughs) I don't think we've lost that innate ability that we've had for decades just from having to do it virtually, especially since so many of us are on video calls with each other all the time, I think. It's just a matter of thinking of it in that way. We think of it as an email, not a conversation. And it really is a conversation because you send out that email and you get a response. Either they've clicked through, it doesn't matter. Open rates don't matter. Don't, don't look at open rates. That's, well, oh, my personalization worked really well because I got a lot of opens. Said no one ever in marketing. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, don't look at that. Look at their interaction with it. And make sure you give them things to interact with. And if you've got the if you've got the time or the capability, or if it's really critical, then give different responses based on what they click on. We're working on we're working on a campaign the other day with someone, and it's basically an email that has a poll in it. Each one's a button, so it informs each one's a button. And based on how they answer that poll, they get a different response with different resources. So you could do a simple say, let's take people who are disengaged and they've been disengaged for three or more months. You could do a simple poll saying, you know, hey, just wanted to check in and see how it's going. If you have a second, can you just let me know why you joined? I want to make sure that you're getting the most out of your membership. See if they click on one. And if they do, have it automatically send them an email saying, you know, a few days later saying, oh, yeah, okay, great. Those were the things you're interested in. Here's some things you might not realize we have now because you know they haven't really interacted with your site in a while or they haven't interacted with your community in a while so you can say you know here are like four or five resources in case you haven't seen them yet and then wait four to six weeks and follow back up all of this can be automated follow back and say hey you know i sent we sent you the information just wanted to make sure that you got it and that see if you had any questions or if there's anything else you needed send them a reminder of the email you could even make it look like you forwarded them a copy of the email you have that capability it's one of my favorite tricks tools, I guess you would call it not a trick. We're not tricking anybody. It's one of my favorite tools in my toolbox is to be, make an automated email look like you forwarded it because you noticed they hadn't opened it yet. And you can even go so far as to make sure that they haven't actually opened any of those things before you actually send it. There's all kinds of things you can do to personalize it. But at the end of the day, just that little bit could be enough to bring, keep what, 10% easily of your members from going away. I think those are fantastic go forward steps. Yeah, that's it's an easy enough one to do. 
So if you want somewhere to start, if you're listening to this and you're looking for a way to start, start there. And you can always connect with, I know me, Viv, I won't volunteer you, but you can always connect with me on LinkedIn because I, I love talking on there. Or if, you, if you're a member of Hug, you can connect with me on there because anyone who knows me knows that I will talk this stuff all day long and I love coming up with new strategies. They can connect with me if they want. Um, <laughs> I'm the shyer of the two, but no. <laughs> Yes, I'm definitely the, I'm definitely the in your face. Hi, hi, golden retriever going, hi, hi, hi. How can I help you? What can I do for you? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> not at all. But I think that folks have, you know, hopefully have, you know, this has perked their interest and they can start looking at what they have and pick a starting point aligned with their goals. And we would love to hear from you, actually, if you take action on on this and we'd love to hear how you know, what the outcomes for you were. That would be fantastic. Yes, yes, please. You know, tell us on LinkedIn. Tell us in Hug if you're a customer and you're a member of Hug. Uh, if you're not, feel free to contact me. I can make sure you have an account. Let us know. We really love to hear how these things go and we love to hear new examples. So if you, if you have a good example, we'd love to see it, even if it's one that you've already done. So yeah, let us know. I think that's it for today. Viv, thank you so much, as always, for sharing your knowledge. Every time I talk to you, I feel like I've gotten smarter just from hearing you. Oh, well, thank That is so sweet. Thank you. And thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again soon. Yes, anytime. I will talk marketing with you all day, any day. Uh, I'll talk marketing with just about anybody. But with you, I will talk it all day, any day, because it's just so much fun. So I hope everybody else enjoyed listening as much as Viv and I enjoyed chatting. And you know, let us know what you liked, what you didn't, and hug or on the LinkedIn post. And don't forget, we are getting ready to launch, or I am getting ready to launch, the new Association Marketing Pros newsletter. So be sure to grab the link in the comment in the information on this webinar and go sign up so that you can get the first issue when it goes out. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks. Bye.